Hello, everyone. We are Group 7, and today our podcast will be on education. I'm Alan Aguayo, and today I will be hosting with Christopher Parks, Maria Romero, and Jesus Ponce. Today we'll be discussing the historical aspect of education and the importance it had on the development of early society. We will provide uh, statistical numbers with research and data, along with um, the current effect it has on us today as a society and pop culture. And at, to conclude, we will provide three to five questions for you guys to answer. Education is a social institution that teaches individuals how to be active and engaged members of society. In order therefore to be education, there must be literacy. Literacy is the ability to read and write. Literacy is known as the baseline of education because without literacy, education can no longer proceed. The rise of literacy in Europe was closely tied to the Protestant Reformation, which brought the study of the Bible. This introduced some of the first educational systems which allowed people to develop literacy because people would come together in classes to learn how to read and write in order to study the Bible. The word school has its origin in a Greek word meaning leisure or recreation. In pre-modern societies, schooling only existed for those who had proper resources available to pursue learning along with the time in order to pursue learning. But for the majority of the people, there was no education. The only education that was available was learning by example. You learn the same social skills and work skills as their elders. Education was strictly a family affair, meaning there was no school. Until the 19th century, most of the world population had little to no schooling at all. Educational systems were not really established until the Industrial Revolution and the ever-growing number of cities. Once the Industrial Revolution rapidly developed, the need for a stronger and more suitable workforce grew higher than ever. This meant that the work task needed educated people to perform these work tasks. This led to the introduction of specialized schooling to educate individuals on the work. As schooling became more universal, individuals were then exposed to abstract learning of topics such as literature, history, science, and mathematics, as opposed to just specified work skills to perform for your work job. Another of the reasons was that prior to the Industrial Revolution, education was not free, meaning education was still not viewed as a right or a necessity of a healthy life. Only wealthy families could afford schooling that taught basic education. And this meant that poor children and poor families received a very little education which they received at dame schools and church schools during their services. In 1833, the Factory Act was passed in the UK. This improved condition for children working in factories and most importantly, required schooling for two hours a day for each child. As a result, the government allocated funds to promote education in schools. (laughs) Now children were not primarily slaving away and given the start to an educational right that should be possible for all people. 
the government gave money to charities to help make education accessible to children of all socioeconomic divisions. Then in 1868, we had the Public Schools Act, which was enacted in the UK, which brought reform to the public school system by establishing requirements for educational standards. In the US, a few public schools had popped up by the 1840s. However, much like the UK, only wealthy families could afford the schooling. The public system of education was still flawed. However, Horace Mann of the House of Representatives of Massachusetts and Henry Barnard of the House of Representatives of Connecticut pushed for free and compulsory school for every child in the United States. By 1918, all American children were required to attend at least elementary school. Next came the movement to create schooling in America, to create equal schooling in America. Many schools in the South were segregated. Supreme Court ruling of Plessy versus Ferguson made the, the legality of segregation okay. However, in 1954, Supreme Court overturned its ruling due to the Brown versus Board of Education. It was then that public school became integrated and open to the to people of all races. It was then that education began to be a necessity and a right for all people of all sorts. Research and data. Sociologists find various ways and theories of understanding the problems related to education. Sociologists and educators often debate the function of education with three main theories. The functionalist theory, which focuses on the way universal education serves the needs of society. Functionalists see education as conveying basic knowledge and skills to the next generation. Functionalists see the role of education as socializing people into society's mainstream. It helps form a more cohesive social structure by bringing together people from diverse backgrounds. An example of this is reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. When kids in school are required to recite the Pledge of Allegiance every day, it helps promote a sense of identity among students. Functionalism is a way of creating a common culture. The next theory is the conflict theory. Conflict theory sees the purposes of education as maintaining social inequality and preserving power of those who dominate society. Conflict theorists believe the education system works against the lower classes and makes them accept the class and to be obedient workers. One of their main ideas is the idea of hidden curriculum. Kids from a young age are taught to be punctual to class and complete all tasks that are assigned to them. Theorists believe that this is a way of teaching children to accept a position to as lower class members of society. One other reason conflict theorists stand by their theory is property taxes. Property taxes fund most schools and therefore schools in affluent districts have more money. This results in the school being able to pay higher salaries for better teachers and purchase newer textbooks and technology. The students from these rich schools gain substantial advantages in getting into the best colleges and then getting better jobs as a result. The final theory is the symbolic interaction theory. Symbolic theorists observe strictly what happens in the classroom. They focus on how teachers' expectations affect 
your students' performance and attitudes. Robert Rosenthal and Leonor Jacobson conducted the landmark study for this approach in 1968. First, they examined a group of students with standard IQ tests. The researchers then identified a number of students who they said would likely show a sharp increase in abilities over the coming year. They informed the teachers of the results and asked them to watch and see if this increase did occur. When the researchers repeated the IQ tests at the end of the year, the students identified by the researchers did indeed show higher IQ scores. The significance of this study lies in the fact that the researchers have randomly selected a number of average students. The researchers found that when the teachers expected a particular performance or growth, it occurred. This phenomenon, where a false assumption actually occurs because someone predicted it, is called a self-fulfilling prophecy. For example, the stock market may be stable with rising values. If investors become afraid that the market will crash, however, they may suddenly sell their stocks, which causes the market to crash. The crash occurred simply because investors feared it would do so. When it comes to education, there are racial inequalities. Rates of high school graduation and college attendance varies dramatically by race, ethnicity, and socioeconomic background. Differences between black and whites in levels of education and attainment have increased. African Americans have improved levels of educational attainment and have increased in high school completion. From the years of 1960 to 2017, graduation rates have gone up from 20% to 87%. Similarly, Asians have increased by 91% and 71% for Hispanics. To fight educational inequality, politicians, educators, and community activists have pushed for universal access to higher quality education. These include initiatives for bilingual education programs, multicultural programs, and open admissions to college. Educational policy today is pushing for the improvement of functional literacy or reading and writing that are higher than just the basic level. Under the No Child Left Behind Act, brought under the presidency of President George W. Bush in 2002, this act has fought to improve the academic outcome for all children and to close achievement gaps. Pop culture. There was recently a case that showed the inequality of education. Lori Laughlin, a well-known actress from Full House, was investigated for a college admission scheme where affluent parents like herself bribe top colleges so the kids can be admitted. Laughlin is accused of paying $500,000 in bribes to have her daughter admitted at the University of Southern California as a recruit of the rowing crew team. Despite not participating in sport, her daughter, a famous YouTuber, went on record in one of the videos stating that she wants the experience of game days and partying and doesn't really care about school. Although this case got the spotlight due to the fame of Lori Laughlin, it is not the only one. 
there is many and multiple cases of parents bribing top schools in order for their kids to attend. This is unfair for students who work hard all their life a dream of attending their dream university only to get denied because a spot had been taken up by a rich kid and their parent who paid for their spot. Questions. Should the school receive the same or more backlash that Laughlin got when, they, when they're the ones who took the bribe? Question 2. Would having free college have a greater or worse effect on the economy in the long run? Question 3. What are ways to perfect the education system?